and welcome to the Point to Brew podcast. It's episode 33 and I'm your host, Stephen Carter. I hope you're continuing to like the new format of the show. I've received a few messages of support since changing things, so for now, I'm going to stick with it. Huge thanks to those who have fed back to me so far, and if you have any feedback, please let me know your thoughts. Likewise, any positive reviews on your favoured podcast channel would be massively appreciated. But it's time for this episode, and in this one I am joined by Paul Grenier, co-founder and CEO of Mortalis Brewing in Avon, New York. Mortalis are well-renowned for their heavily fruited sour beers, particularly the Hydra series, and I've been introduced to them via Beers of America, my brother's business, where he imports the best and freshest beers from America. Huge thanks to him for providing me these beers ahead of the show, and we discussed the Diner series, one of which I drink whilst we're recording. I was surprised that when I first made contact with Mortalis on Instagram that Paul was the one who responded to me. As he discusses throughout the show, he takes more of a backseat on the day-to-day operations of the business now, but he likes keeping his ears close to the ground and engage with his customers whenever he can do so. With a brewery that's based around two core values and principles, which he discusses whilst we're recording, it's clear to see why Mortalis have become so popular in a relatively small timescale. It's always interesting chatting to brewers from across the pond, and this show was definitely no different. So thanks to Paul for joining me, and here I am with him now. Right, so I'm very pleased to be joined by Paul from Mortalis. Paul, how are you doing today? Are you okay? Uh, I'm doing good, man. It's uh, cold as heck up here uh, over <laughs> in uh, Rochester in upstate New York, but uh, uh, I'm doing well. Yeah, good. Very good, mate. Thank you very, very much for joining and welcome. Welcome to the Point to Real podcast. I appreciate you taking the time out to to join me on the show. Obviously, at the, the time difference is uh, we've managed to work around that and, and fit it in. Would this be a normal day for you at the brewery? What's your What would your normal schedule be during the week now? Uh, I generally do work from home. I have a lot of meetings that I take place at the brewery itself, but um, uh, my role... Um, is I do a lot of the ordering, recipe creation, uh, scheduling, and these days a lot of distribution, lots mm. of distribution on, on my part. So getting licensed all over the place and in different countries and different states and stuff like that. So it's uh, definitely requires a ton of work. Yeah, no, especially given the last sort of 18 to 24 months, I imagine it's been a bit a bit full on. And just before we started recording, we chatted about your uh, you're quite monster setup that you've got for for working from home. So I think you're uh, you're very well established and, and geared up for that. But obviously, I, I we haven't got this to, to chat about on the running order. But I suppose it'd be remiss of us not to to mention it. How has the the last sort of twelve to twenty four months been for you guys? And obviously, you're working from home. How how have you handled that situation? Really, a uh, roller coaster, of course. Like I'm sure everybody everybody was uh, and and you know sort of went through. But uh, I'll say this, we were really small, so we were in a perfect position to pivot Mm. and double down on ourselves, and that's exactly what we did. Uh, As soon as pandemic hit, uh, we immediately went into lockdown and ordered tanks and Mm -hmm. a canning line and a bottler and just went full bore, um, and sort of all that stuff started arriving. Some of it was in the works prior to, but it started arriving over the summer of, uh, you know, 2020 and we really started gearing up, uh, and learning how to properly package beer ourselves versus like a a mobile canner situation, which is what we were prior to, uh, we had to try to figure out ways to compensate 
um, you know, not having that draft room open was, was pretty brutal. Um, and uh, it, we lost a lot of, uh, you know, not just revenue, but we lost a lot of connection, I feel, yeah. with, with our patrons um, by having that sort of shut down on us. Mm. Yeah, well, that's it. It's, like you say, especially if you're geared up more for a tap room or, or a draft room and then to have that shut for X amount of time, I suppose it's going to impact you a lot harder than what other places will have done that were geared up for the small package options of canning or bottling. Whereas if you didn't have that benefit of being on site, then I suppose that was a bit of a sort of not a, a panic, but maybe a bit of a panic of like, what should we do almost? We were super crawler heavy. That's how we mm. started. Um, we had a process that we do for filling crawlers. Um, and uh, we went pretty hardcore into crawlers right away. I can, I remember, um, the uh the first day we opened um which was in uh 2018 in august um <laughs> we were just so excited right to um get our beer to folks and we were like all right guys we're gonna spend all night filling crawlers and we filled like 300 crawlers right and uh <laughs> tap room opens up we have a small line outside because we did a lot of pre-marketing before that and, and we can get into that too, if you've got some questions on that, but we had a, we had a nice size line outside, right? Folks ready to drink our beer. We had like 300 crawlers and we let them all in and everybody came drank the beer. And then they were like, all right, so what are you guys limits on crawlers? And we were like, we don't have limits on crawlers. Take all our beer, please. And then they did. And we were like, holy shit, we should have totally put limits on crawlers. We messed that up really bad. We have no beer. And we ended the funny part is we ended up shutting down for a week in like September just to try to get caught back wow. up. It was it was total insanity. Uh and and we're just trying to keep up with the demand at the time. Uh so we were filling crawlers for a while. Then we started getting into the mobile, the mobile canning. Um, we, we would hire a canner to come in and and do that and teach us that process because a lot of times out of the gate, uh young breweries, they really can't afford these really extravagant canning lines unless they've got like awesome. big financial backers and uh we did not we absolutely did not yeah no like you say some are, some have got the benefit of they've maybe come from one profession or job to another where they may have got a, a payout or you know some savings or something like you say to bankroll the initial initial setup but when you're starting from scratch you've kind of got to prioritize what you know what what is more important to you so so with that in mind paul i suppose that's a, a great jump off point for us to sort of discuss how Mortalis came to be and, and what your background was prior to, to starting Mortalis. Yeah, this is uh this is crazy story stuff. Um, definitely. This is like second career stuff for most of us. Uh, mm. We didn't start out this way. I started out working for uh, Bed Bath and Beyond really early on when I was in my early twenties and I spent uh, the better part of 23 years with Bed Bath and Beyond as a lot of different things i was uh, uh, i ended my career with them as working from corporate uh, as a project manager and i would travel all over the can uh, canada and the u.s and build all of our new stores for bye bye wow. baby and bed bath and all those stores mm -hmm. and uh, have a project manager background uh, my wife uh, first off there is six owners two more talents um, my wife is also one of them she's a nurse has been for a very long time my brother-in-law is uh, a construction style background and he was doing that for a while and we started brewing together and her sister, AKA my sister-in-law, uh, you know, she works in sort of a construction office type of stuff. Um, 
sisters obviously they wanted to hang out all the time and um mm-hmm. i sort of had to quickly make friends with my brother-in-law dave because uh they were, we were spending lots of time together and uh we sort of came up with the idea like what, what are we going to do here and dave suggested well you know i i brewed a couple of batches of beer because obviously we both like beer i'm like okay let's uh let's give that a shot and um I remember brewing their first batch of beer uh, and we bottled it as you had to bottle condition it and all that stuff. And uh, we made it and it was absolutely dreadful. Uh, One of the worst things you could ever possibly tasted. It's extremely helpful if you crush the grains on your first home brew (laughs) and don't steep your grains. Like we had no concept or understanding of that early on. (laughs) Uh, But we got so disappointed with ourselves. Well, we were also really drunk at the time too. Uh, we had crushed so many beers, um, <laughs> but we said, "Okay, let's put the beers aside for a moment on the second batch, and let's do a lot of reading." Mm. And that's exactly what we did. And the next batch uh, that we did was a a Belgian triple, and it was a definite eureka moment. It was like, "Holy cow, this is really, really good." The hardest part was waiting for the bottles to condition themselves because we didn't we didn't have any of the fancy equipment. But I'll tell you, right after we drank that first sip of the Belgian triple from a bottle that we made, we basically poker chip style all in. We're like, all right, we're getting a kegerator. We're getting <laughs> kegs. We're getting CO2. I'm building shit in the basement. My pops is helping me. We're welding stuff. It's, a, it's full production craziness uh, that went from uh, basically a love to an obsession. Um, and we would be brewing every weekend and the wives were great cause they love to hang out with each other. So that was really cool. Um, and, uh, sort of grew it from there. Uh, we would have friends stop over during the, uh, the, the homebrew days. One of them was, uh, my childhood friend and my now CFO also part owner, uh, whose name is Jay. And he is a, uh, he's a lawyer full-time and also Mortalis' CFO. So that's like really, really helpful to have a lawyer on the team. I can tell you yeah, that. Yeah. It's, it's who you know sometimes, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Especially one that likes beer. Yeah, uh, yeah. So anyways, that, that whole thing sort of went along. We picked up uh, a, another good friend. Uh, one of the other owners is Josh. He was a home brewer as well. We started trading home brews and then all of a sudden he was here brewing with us and, you know, it sort of all snowballed together came to a point in uh 2017 um you know we founded then but obviously we started way back when there was a competition called the uh, brew in livingston competition it was a um sort of like a a county livingston county uh which is just directly south of monroe where i live uh had a brew a brew contest it was a business plan contest so it was open to anywhere, anybody in the country that wanted to come and open a brewery in Livingston County, you were, uh, you could go ahead and participate in this contest, this business plan contest. And what would end up happening was uh, you would get a lot of different people and they, they ran you through uh, different public speaking courses and you went through a lot of classes and you got to learn the lay of the land and a little bit of the business uh, in that. And they were going to go ahead and, se- and they went ahead and selected four winners from the competition. They started out with about 80 breweries and we were one of those winners, one of the four that they selected. And again, this is crazy because they based this solely upon your business plan. Mm. They didn't even taste a drop of your beer till <laughs> much, much, much later. 
And it wasn't like they were like, oh, this is the best beer. You guys win. That actually had very little to do with any of any any of the winners selected. It was all strategic business plan. And for that, for winning that, they would give you a little bit of seed money to uh, open up a small um, a small tiny uh, grant and uh, a, a low interest rate loan uh, if you were going to open up a brewery in Livingston County, which is exactly what we did. We chose Avon because it was right on the cusp of uh, Roch- where Rochester uh, or where Monroe and Livingston County meet. Mm. So it was, it was perfect as far as commute goes. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting that though, isn't it? Because like you say, that the whole contest win was based on the, the concept rather than the actual quality of the beer. And I suppose in some respects, it's, it's good that it happened that way around because a lot of these people start breweries with having, well, we can make decent beer. I think we can make decent beer, but without actually having a, a solid business plan to work from so i suppose in some respects that's done you know it stood you in good stead for well this is where we'll start and this is how we'll scale up and this is you know if all things go well i suppose it's allowed you to progress and see a, a future and a way forward for the for the brewery and the business rather than just sort of bumbling along and and making it up as you as you go along and we had and we had a really stacked plan uh i mean i have a project management background Mm. I'm really good with numbers and spreadsheets and that type of stuff. We've got other members on our team that are good in other aspects of that plan. So we ended up writing, it was, I think it was around 120 page plan Wow. that really took the cake. And it was, uh, I was really impressed with this. It's definitely on my, you know, top accomplishments for my life was writing that thing. Had no idea how much actually goes into that and not coming from mm. a direct accounting background or business school background, uh, I was I was floored at the amount of detail that it actually took and the amount of effort and work that went into it. So yeah, and by, and by the same token, there is that some people's business plan might have been you know twenty pages, for example, or thirty pages, for example. I suppose in some respects, the fact that you have gone, like you say, the whole hog and you've gone to that extent of one hundred twenty yeah. pages, you've put all this time and effort in with the right people. That it's like, well, these guys know what they're doing you know or the we think they'll you know find the feet pretty quickly and to to sort of fund that i suppose is an easy option in comparison to to somebody who well, can make decent beer but they have no idea what they're talking about or doing so are the um are yeah. the other breweries that entered are they still are they still alive and kicking then are they still going or what's the situation uh, there yeah one of them was a rising storm uh there are neighbors down the road um we're friends with those guys they do some really cool beers they focus on um focus a lot on IPAs um, and, um, you know, loggers and they do some fruited stuff, obviously, and some stouts too, because mm-hmm. that's what everybody's really doing these days. Another one was an existing brewery uh, called Dublin Corners, and they ended up using that money to um, expand their brewery and go into another other locations. And the last one was a, uh, a cidery, because uh-huh. it was open to cideries as well. Mm-hmm um and they took that money and expanded uh their current location uh, their current model and then uh branched out into other areas as well that's cool so there's thankfully they're all still up and kicking and uh which is saying a lot because there are so many breweries in the rochester area it's absolutely mind-boggling i mean i think we're in the top 10 um like beer places in the u.s I think Rochester, the city of Rochester is one of the, is in one of the top 10 or top 20, top 20, I guarantee you. Um, But I thought we might've made the top 10 list for like best varieties of beer, best, best number of uh, best amount of breweries per person. 
type of deal. So we have we have so many. It's it's really crazy. I suppose it's a bit like it is over here, though. Isn't it? The, the kind of you get your big names that people know about that people are instantly drawn to and attracted to. But I bet there's so many off the beaten track that you know you, you wouldn't find unless you knew about them or they've just sort of serviced their little niche and their little area, or their local area of the sort of their own tap room or you know um draft room or local bars and, and pubs and things that and obviously with your guys laws and rules on sort of shipping and things i guess it's harder for them to build a reputation sort of outside of a local area sometimes as well isn't it in in many respects yeah that that hyper local concept that you're talking about that's very like very driven for some of these breweries us at mortalis we're we're locally focused but nationally driven is is a hmm. better way to say it like we wanted to get our beer out to as many people as possible when we started. That was one of the, one of the uh, founding agreements that we made with each other. The other one was um, to never, ever, ever spare an expense on the beer. Meaning mm. if it took like 10,000 pounds of marshmallow to get what we were going for, then we would do it and we wouldn't balk at it. And there was, there was never sacrificing the quality of the beer that was one of the other founding agreements that we we all came to came to understand and respect. Well, that's it. And if you've got them core principles to work towards, like you say, ultimately, the the end product is what the consumer's buying, and they'll they'll pick up on any any discrepancies of well, you know, as you all know from from producing it. If you put a beer out that says it tastes of this, and they can't find it, then obviously they're going to question: Is it got it in it, or is it just making it up, or you know, it's. The, the integrity gets questioned straight away, doesn't it? If they don't get exactly what they see, see on the can. Yeah, that's uh, with with without a doubt that is uh, absolutely true. I think Anthony Bourdain said it best, uh, R.I.P. when when he was talking about the beer nerds and uh, that uh, there's nothing more ruthless on the planet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you you really you really have to put everything you've got into this type of stuff. I mean, we've since we started, uh, we or since we you know, open the doors. We actually funded a successful Kickstarter to sort of start up our barrel age and small pilot program. We expanded mm. about 500 ish percent from opening our doors to right now, as far as tank capacity goes. And uh, we got one of our first big breaks. We got invited to uh, extreme beer fest here in the States, which is done in Boston. And um, we did some pretty wild stuff during EBF. It was uh, it was awesome event because we really got to like show people what we could do. And we were like one of the first breweries to use, like maybe, maybe the first, I don't know. It's like, it's like one of those chicken or the egg things, but we ended up using uh, cream cheese in uh, beer. Okay. And we made a strawberry cream cheese or cheesecake uh, milkshake. And uh, we debuted it at EBF and it was blowing people's minds. They were like, what is this? Like, how is this possible? And we ended up using, uh, at the time, we were using dehydrated cream cheese powder mm. and then reconstituting it back into the beer to get that creamy sort of little bit of tang flavor. Then you mix that with the fruit and some vanilla. And then all of a sudden you've got this awesome cheesecakey blend um, and it was blowing people's minds. And uh, the creativity, you know, for us really never stopped there. We would always try to push those boundaries. We would do stuff like uh, for Green City, one of the other festivals we went to, we did a beer called um, the Everything Bagel IPA. And uh, what it was based on was uh, we saw a lot of other half who invited us, they're friends of ours, and they invited us yep. to, uh, to this festival. 
And a lot of their beers are named like Chicken and Riggies or, um, you know, uh, uh, gar- they did plates on plates for like a play on garbage plate food. And we were like, well, we could, you know, I want to do something New York State sort of based. And uh, the Everything Bagel is extremely iconic for New York State uh, and, and New York in general. So I was like, let's do an Everything Bagel double IPA. So we took an IPA base. We're like, we're just going to take this all the way. So we made the IPA, we hand selected all of the most oniony garlic hops you could ever find, selected lots from that, you know, from friends. And they're like, you don't want to use those. And they're like, no, 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 we do. We actually Mm. want to use those. Then we ended up using our cheesecake treatment on there. And then we ended up going with, you know, uh, uh, we mixed up a tincture of everything bagel seasoning that we would that we boiled and then added to the beer and the look on folks faces when they got to try it at green city it was it was one one of two things would happen either they would they would take it and they would grab it in their cup and they they'd sip it and they'd be walking away and they go whoa because they were (laughs) drinking an everything bagel and the other reaction was something like oh that they were drinking and everything bagel and we tried to warn people and we're like listen if if you gotta like bagels you gotta like cream cheese and we're gonna mix that with an ipa and 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 hell or high water you know you like it you hate it it's it's an it's a fun experiment it was a really fun beer and we've gotten a lot of requests since then to do it so we have it back on the docket actually this year we're going to be brewing in a few months from now uh so i'll I'll, I'll probably have to get you some yeah definitely i mean that to me just sounds incredible i mean it's one of these things is the beauty of the the craft beer world is that you've you, it's no old bad you know you can do what literally whatever you want and some people like you say they'll recoil in horror at the the sheer thought of trying these beers but to me it's like well you, you've got to give it a go you've, you've got to try it that's that's the beauty of it and you know i think the you know just the fact that you said you started brewing uh, with your brother-in-law the first you know the second beer that you did was a, a Belgian triple you know of all things to start with or your second beer a Belgian triple it's kind of you're already sort of thinking a few steps ahead and outside of the box rather than going something safe right we'll try and nail a pale ale we'll try and nail an IPA we'll try and you know maybe even do a, a, an ESB or a bitter or something it's no we'll, we'll go for the Belgian triple and then we'll 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 go out for the for the the, the weird and wonderful and that leads us perfectly on to the second topic that we had of yeah. especially here in the UK your your reputation is for the the heavily fruited towers you know the things that people either love or hate like you're saying I am drinking one of yours this evening whilst we're recording which is one of the the Dyna series oh wow um, which is the I don't even um, know how, how did you get that that's amazing yeah so um my, <laughs> my um small shout out my brother he um he gets beers over from from America so beers from beers of beers of America he, he gets some over um and he sells it here which is we've I'm very very lucky he's hooked me up for the, with these these beers for tonight so I've had a few of yours before but no that's cool uh, that beer in particular that's a new series that we sort of launched um based on these diner route 66 mm. diner pies that you could get peach was our first foray into that um actually i shouldn't say that we 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 launched a beer called um we started doing this beer with other half as a collaboration uh based upon a, a grape festival that's sort mm-hmm. of close by and uh, we did a couple of iterations of it. And the last one we brewed, which was I have uh, the fillings are mutual, which was a great pie beer, which we used our pie treatment on, which is sort of like a crumble, 
cross between um, uh, vanilla granola and toasted coconut and some Madagascar vanilla. And all of a sudden that, that treatment blends together and uh, adding, you know, adding the fruit and stuff like that. And we can achieve this like sort of pie, pie vibe. Mm. So we, it works so well in the grape pie. We were like, all right, let's launch a new series. And that's the diner pie series. And we have a couple more coming out that we're going to mess around with. We're going to do an apple for the first time ever. Oh, wow. And then a mixed berry after that. But yeah, we, um, when we first started out with the Hydra series, which is what most people know, and we still brew it tons mm -hmm. today. Um, we crawlered it uh because it was only available at the brewery and we would um we would serve it on draft and crowler it and it was really tough for us to learn how to keep that fruit in suspension so employees would have to go to the back and they'd have to shake the kegs and make sure that fruit didn't drop out of suspension <laughs> and make sure it was all mixed right because we were like oh my, the customer has to have a perfect pour every time mm. you know and we started working with it and working with it and working with it and learning how to stabilize it. Number one rule, how to stabilize it. Mm. Uh, then how to keep it saturated in solution. Number two rule, how to get it packaged. I mean, there was so much that went into the Hydra project and our fruited sours. But now, you know, they're so shel uh, you know, shelf-stable um, and, uh, and such a great product because when that customer cracks that can after they roll it or flip it upside down or even if not they're gonna get the perfect pour in that glass if yeah. they empty the whole can so yeah i mean we started drinking a lot of beers from like um the answer the veil these guys are all coming out with these like heavy fruited sours like really early on um and we were just floored by it and like right on the cusp of like when all those were coming out it's when we launched sort of Hydra, we were like, yeah, we can do that. We can figure out how to do this, how to get it poured in the draft room. And, but we needed a vehicle to drive all the different flavor combinations. And I, I wanted something that was a label because we knew we were going to get into canning that was interchangeable. Mm. Therefore, all we really had to do was adjust a color and adjust um, uh, some of the, uh, some of the language about what it was instead of having to redesign a new label every single time <laughs> we have amazing artists on our team we use a company called even odd um they're an amazing local company they do all of our artwork and uh you know they've never let us down they've been with us from the beginning they designed our logo mm. and we absolutely love them to pieces they're absolutely they're incredible but at the same time like putting a burden on them be like all right the new fruited sour this week is blah 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 and we're like yeah. no no we need a way to figure this out so i came up with the hydra concept to to encompass that so that we could always release hydra and you know really expand those flavor combinations uh you know some thankfully a lot of them work some don't work so much we've done a thanksgiving hydra which had uh, squash <laughs> and cranberry in it. Uh, we've done, you know, a lot of, a lot of we did a pumpkin uh, Halloween Hydra that had pumpkin puree in it and a few other things. Uh, so we've, we've, had, um, we've had our misses, obviously, with that series. Um, but uh, we've had a lot more hits than misses. Uh, I think one of the biggest things that our fans try to understand about hydra is like uh we try for consistency all the time of course 
and that's our one big thing for that beer that that fruited stuff but when you're dealing with uh different fruit suppliers and then they have different harvests like every year is a different fruit harvest and then some places might dry up on their fruit and you have to find a new supplier while the beer might still be the same there's going to be some variations from one batch to another exact same batch as far as fruit thickness goes and 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 now we deal with that a lot with uh, supply chain issues um obviously going on but we've sourced and focused on these relationships with our suppliers enough that it's definitely not hitting us as hard as it might somebody else trying to just now get into the fruit game uh, so we're extremely thankful for all our partners that we we deal with for that, but to try to keep these these things as consistent as possible, because that's in the end that's what people want. They they see that Hydra, they want, they know what their last one tasted like, they want the same thing, and we do everything in our power to make sure that that happens. Do we drink them all the time at the brewery? Uh, yes and no. Um, <laughs> you got a quality test them, right? Surely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a lot of testing. Uh, that's for sure. Um, we, we, we do that every single week. We try to usually put, I think we put out fruit almost every week, uh, uh, some form of a fruited beer. Mm. Uh, we expanded from Hydra to the Monster Series, in which is a little bit more crazy stuff uh, from the Monsters. It encompasses... A little bit more than just the three fruits uh, that a typical hydra does. Um, so we went into like um, Beholder, which is uh, based on a McDonald's yogurt parfait. So it uses like strawberry and blueberry. And then we did a granola treatment on it um, and actually ended up putting um, yogurt powder, dehydrated yogurt powder in it. And that stuff is killer. It's amazing how, how much that translates so we have a lot more fun with the monster series too, uh, as far as creativity goes, but we're, we're actually, it's because a lot of these are hitting the UK. I know you're trading for them or you've got, you've got, you said it was your brother-in-law. Is that yeah, correct? That's my brother. Yeah. Um, getting, getting those for those folks, but we actually are doing our first drop in the UK. Okay. Uh, which is really exciting. We partnered in with um, a company called uh, crafted exports. And uh, they're a distributor for the UK and uh, we're excited because they just picked up some stuff like just recently. So I expect to see it in some bottle shops here and there. You know, it's, it's not a ton of stuff, yeah, yeah. but it's, it's enough to get the word out there. Cause again, we try to be glo- national and globally focused mm. on people just trying our beer. Our beer works in a lot of places and some places just aren't ready for the craziness that we do which is one of the reasons why i was so excited when you reached out because i i want to talk with folks and and get that message to the uk out there you know to to give us a shot give us a try expand your mind a little bit i know it's not your dad's lager I, I know that, you know, it's got its place. Uh, I have a lot of questions. Is this really beer type of deal? And trust me, it is beer. We make it like beer just because we fruit it a little bit differently. Uh, it does not change the fact that it's not beer. It's still beer. Um, there's hops in it. There's grain in it. There's yeast. There's water. But I want to help hopefully get that message out there for just folks to try to try to give us a shot and, and have some fun with it because isn't 
I mean, we have a lot of, there's a lot of purists and stuff out there, but beer in the end for us is always supposed to be fun and keep yeah. it, keep it fun. Right. Or, or am I, am I missing something with that? Like, yeah, no, you're hundred percent right. And, and that's, that's exactly it for me. It's like I said earlier, to me, it's trying something new, trying something different. And, you know, for me coming from a, a background of, I, I didn't used to really drink beer to start with. So then just sort of have these things that can, like say, the blow your mind in terms of it is beer, but it's not beer. If you know what I mean, it's like, it's not a lager, it's not a beer, it's not a pale and IPA, whatever it is sort of blowing the the rule book wide open of what what beer possibly can be and i suppose in some respects it's exactly what happened when people started using hops to to flavor rather than bitter and preserve it's like you know people still now like well it tastes like a bouquet of flowers or potpourri or whatever it's like well yeah because beer can taste of things it doesn't have to just be fizzy water it's not just a a, a vessel for for getting drunk and and getting legless it you can enjoy it and you know the fact that you're so open to getting the beer as as far as possible because i know especially in this country for for the likes of yourselves and other u.s brewers it's almost like the the holy grail of of trying the american beers as you know as as good as they can be as fresh as they can be and and trying as many as possible you know granted we've got some cracking brewers on our doorstep but for me i don't think we have anybody in this country that's doing this sort of stuff as well as what you are so for me if you're looking to get into the uk to kind of say this is what a really heavily fruited sour can be and what it is i think you know you're gonna make a a very quick or even bigger reputation for yourself than what you already have done in in the uk because like i say there are sour producers here vault city being probably the the next best or closest producer in this country i'd say but even they can't touch what you're doing do you know what i mean so i think you've got a, a real opportunity there to to reach a lot of people that enjoy sours and trying new and, and different things especially and and not only that just to expand on that a little bit think about that young brewer or or brewer that's open to a new type of mindset just willing to take a chance or they're maybe they, they felt that their creativity is a bit washed out and they have too many rules that they need to follow um maybe this when they try something like what we're doing it will give them that spark mm. um to go out there and make that fruited sour or make something crazy and let there be no limitations on your creativity and your art and what you want to do and if it inspires other other breweries or other folks out there to go and push down that road that is a massive benefit, I feel, not only for, you know, not only uh, a sense of pride in, in knowing that something like that happened, but a huge benefit for anybody in that area that can go and say, yeah, let me expand my horizons a little bit. Let me go try these guys out. They're doing something exciting, something fresh, something new, something that we have not tried before, something awesome. And uh, uh, that is just one of the greatest benefits, I feel, in getting our message out there. Mm. and getting our brand more global than than just right here in home no 100 percent. and like i like I said before is that there's quite a few that are, are quite protective rightly so of, of the brand and the reputation to sort of preserve the beer in the best possible way because obviously as you know as we know beer it needs to be drank fresh certainly i think i think in in a lot of respects the the fruit and stuff and the sours you can get away with a little bit more than the fret you know the highly hopped ipas and things because it doesn't fade as fast but even still like you want to make sure it's shipped correctly distributed correctly stored correctly you know and all that and all that good stuff but 
I think the sort of the benefits outweigh the the risk, especially like you say, if you've gone through the process that you have to make sure it's stabilized and kill the secondary fermentation and blah, you know, and all that, all that good stuff to make sure it is it can sit on the shelf and it can be there for a two weeks, a couple of months, whatever it is, and it'll be absolutely fine. I think if you've got that and confidence in the product, then you know, like you say, as far as you're concerned, getting the reputation yeah. out there is is sort of a big payoff. And we we most certainly do. And that process was not easy to attain. Um, but I don't want to stifle anyone from trying it or trying mm. to push forward with that. Uh, it took us a while to figure it out. We had a little bit of help along the way. Uh, make friends with other guys that can do it. Um, make friends with them. Try to, if they're willing to teach you, then then absolutely go ahead and try to learn from that. It is a learning experience, but I feel where we are now, we finally got it right um, and right where it needs to be as far as that stability goes and and uh, and that maximum freshness um, for when you open up those cans and the, and the shelf life and stuff. So really happy, really happy where it is right now. So I'm really trying to, you know, push that out there and hopefully people will people will give us a shot. I hope. Mm. Yeah, fingers crossed. I, I know there's a lot of people that are, are into trying sours in this country and certainly from from a brother's perspective from from what he's had of yours uh, previously people have been really receptive to it and people have always gone oh my god the latest mortalis is here and I jumped on board almost immediately because like i say there's there's not that sort of stuff here you know and and sure. th those flavors that you put in there i, I had the um the circle of the wagons was it the one the the buffalo oh, one recently wow. like that yeah that was that was really oh. good as well um you know yeah. but I, every, I mean i don't say it just because you're here everything that i've had of yours has i've oh. nailed it every time because I, so I love much. i love the sours but like i said earlier is that every flavor that you put on there you get every single flavor you know and i think that did that one have walnuts in it or pecan nuts oh you? you're right yeah. it does have walnuts yeah, yeah. that was yeah that was another big thing you're talking about. We go back to those core principles a little bit. What founded us. If you say it's in there, you better taste it. Mm. Okay. It doesn't have to be the dominating factor, but if you can't take one of our biggest pet peeves is when we were drinking beers uh, from so many different places, when we were sort of founding this thing was the fact that they were trying to tell us that there was, you know, pecans in there or there was vanilla in there. And you can't taste a hint of that stuff. And we have pretty good palates. Mm. Um, and I'm not saying that it wasn't put in there, but what's the point of actually mentioning it if you can't taste some of those flavors and, and mm. get the vision of the beer? Yeah. Like, it's fine to not put it in there um, if, if, if that's your vision. But if you, if, you have, if you want walnuts in a beer, then you better go grab a whole bunch of walnuts. You better chop them up. And you better get them into that beer and make those flavors real. Yeah. Um, because that was, that was one of the biggest problems that we had when, when trying so many other places that we just, you know, oh, I call it a problem, but it's really not a problem because it was, it was a driving force for us yeah. to push us to getting it into there any way we can. And we've learned so much over the years from, from trial and error. Um, I, yeah, just lots of, lots of trial and error, but <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah. But that's it, and like I said earlier, that plenty of quality, quality testing and making sure that things are right. But yeah, it's you know it's testament to to the fact that you guys you know you go to those extreme lengths to do that to make sure that everyone's getting it. You know, because it's easy that people when you see flavors on a can that your mind is already 
preconceived to get that flavor but then to to actually get it without any sort of prompting or you know to get it and go oh my god yeah it's really there not mm, i don't really get it i think you get it there's a, there's a massive difference there isn't there so yeah. um but obviously we 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 do we've touched upon the sours there but and, and obviously you've probably given us a, an indicator of, of the next point that i had on on the list from the the second beer that you produced in the build-up but beyond the beers that you make obviously you do the fruit sours and obviously you, you doubles your ipas that sort of thing what what beer styles do do you personally generally drink then or lean towards or if you guys get together from from the brewery what what is it generally that you guys gravitate towards and go oh my uh, god we we'll drink that yeah so i'll i'll speak to me personally first um i remember way back when somebody told me that the new england ipa was was dead and that uh that's a passing fad and it's a big phase and it'll be over <laughs> it ah, another couple of weeks I just remember thinking myself, the asshat that said that uh, couldn't have been more wrong at predicting the future of craft beer. And I was like, I still love that style so deeply mm. in my roots. Um, and I'm super happy that we've like turned a corner on our process for some of our IPAs. They were not nearly as good as we had hoped they could be. Uh, it took a lot of work and a lot of help from friends and a lot of uh, a lot of reading a lot of books a lot of documentation to finally get things where we're a lot more happy with they are and um uh, and that's that new england ipa that is um that is my bread and butter that's what i always gravitate towards i love drinking all the styles i'll drink um you know i'll drink just about all styles even hot spicy beers you know that's that's okay too i i like that type of stuff um but when it all when it's all said and done, I really gravitate towards the New England, the New England doubles. They're my absolute favorite, the best expression of hops out there on the planet. Uh, but to say that you wouldn't enjoy that, I don't enjoy like a Pliny. Of course, of course, I don't enjoy a Heady Topper. <laughs> I love Heady Topper. Like these are the beers that got us started, and to going back and revisiting those and and appreciating them and maybe do a modern spin or a, a fresh take on something like that like we just brewed a west coast ipa not that long ago um we love doing uh, you know love drinking lagers here and there so we do one or two different lagers that we currently have uh right now we don't have tap room so like lagers don't move for us but when we have our tap room later this year um we're gonna be getting back into a lot more doing some more lagers and stuff like that because you walk into any of these tap rooms and while the fruited beers and everything is really fun to sample and drink and expand your horizons with people love a lager and you better believe we're going to have a lager on or two or a pilsner or whatever the case may yeah. be uh you know to 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 really enjoy but for me it's definitely um definitely the uh the new england ipa some of our other brewers um definitely gravitate a couple gravitate towards the uh the pastry stouts mm -hmm. they're huge we love doing them it's so creative so awesome to like put crushed up oreo cookies in a beer it's so amazing to put that toasted coconut in there and really get to see it translate you have to use a lot of course but to see those flavors come through it's incredible. And we, you know, I love seeing it. If I'm going to go pastry stout, I would much rather have it be mixed with bourbon 
uh, and get that barrel aged experience, which, you know, we do, we do, we do barrel ages. We try to release a barrel aged beer once a month. Um, we usually have, usually have a line for it. Um, and folks really seem to dig it. Our barrel program is small now, but we have expanded it a lot, uh, this past six months. And it's going to be almost double to triple expansion as far as barrels go for moving into next year, basically. Um, but a lot of guys, a lot of guys will drink the pastry stouts, uh, barrel aged beers. Uh, we have a lot of guys that drink the crispies. Of course, they love the, the crispy boys. Uh, Got to have those light beers. But again, back to back to me, it's it's the New England IPA. That's my go to hands down. Love it. I, I love everything about it. Yeah. And like you said, it- I, th- I think the sort of the whole sort of excitement and, and hype about the the fact it's a new style that's sort of taking over has sort of simmered a little bit. It's maybe not as as sort of as as hot as it was, but it, it, like you say, it's not it's not going anywhere. You know that that style is yeah. Is, the, the guys like oh, it'll yeah. be gone. It'll be gone. <laughs> Wouldn't even bother to learn how to brew yeah. it. <laughs> you know, like you say it couldn't have been further further from the truth could it really <laughs> but no it's it, it's it's great that there's all these these styles and these things that people are, are drinking and coming together and there's options for everybody you know a non-beer drinker will find a beer that they like you know and then it's a lager you know there's so many great lagers out there now you know it, it's just oh, yeah. it's not just your run-of-the-mill mass-produced fizzy yellow water it is there's beers that lagers that taste nice They've got a nice multi bite. They can be hoppy, you know. They can be flavoursome. They can be anything that pretty much you want them to be. Um, you know, yeah. That that dry hop lager, that rice lager. Like, I mean, bring it on. There's there's a lot of creativity that can still be had in that. Maybe that's a big misconception that a lot of folks have when they're like, "Oh, I just don't want the the lager." Mm. It's not just a lager. If you're at the right place, it's not just a lager. Somebody hand selected those hops. Somebody gave a shit about the water profile. Somebody loved that grain so much that they went through six suppliers to find that grain, that Pilsner malt. Mm. So there's so much care that goes into these little these little breweries, um, these these non you know macro breweries. I feel. So many folks want to get that story out there, get get their their love, their passion out there. That if you're at the right place, it's not just a lager. Yeah. It's somebody's somebody's vision, somebody's dream. So yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think it's almost knowing and understanding that it, just like beer, that lager is not just lager, and it's not all the same. You know, under that sort of umbrella term of of that, there's so many different types and styles. And it's same with beer, of pale ale, IPA, whatever. There's it's understanding or getting them to understand those different nuances of each different sort of type style localized ones, which obviously you will have different, like you do the West coast and new England, the Vermont, you know, all the different sort of pockets of different styles you have across the, the U S like we do in the UK. It's like, it, it, it's, it's never ending, you know, that the possibilities are literally endless in terms of what, what styles and, and things that people can try and, and drink. And it, that's, that's why we're in this game. You know, that that's why we're in this to, to kind of, tick every little box that we can possibly think of drinking making you know just spreading the spreading the word about good beer so it's it's good that there's that that you get you know like say you you can't necessarily shift the volume at the moment because you don't have the tap room but once it's there then you'll have a bit more sort of freedom to to push the the other different styles so 
the next thing that I, I, I was going to sort of discuss, Paul, is obviously I always find it very, very interesting about the difference in scale between UK breweries and, and US breweries. Obviously, the initial factor is that you guys, you know, your country's 10, 15, whatever it times larger than what we are here. So you've got a sort of a bigger a bigger audience to to sustain and to to reach and 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 satisfy. So what what scale do you currently produce at now? Then? Where, where are you now? <laughs> oh, my God. We're still on our initial brew system, which is okay. a five barrel brew system. Uh, we have an extremely dedicated team. We brew our butts off, man, uh, double batching, sometimes triple batching, four days a week, five days a week uh, to fill these monstrosities. Uh, we have five barrel size tanks. We have tens. And believe it or not, we have 20s, which is absolutely mind boggling when we say we're going to do our as above stout in that 20. And guess what you guys are doing for the next two days? <laughs> You're brewing the as above stout. And then, it, and then to see it, but, but I'll tell you, when you see like two pallets of as above stout get sold like locally or with very little distro and you're like, wow, what a demand for that. So mm. you can't say no to it. You, you got to go with it. We love brewing it. It's so much fun. Uh, people love it here. Uh, it's one of our best, best rated beers. One of our best stouts on the planet. Um, and um yeah, we, but to, to be, it's daunting seeing those 20 barrel tanks and seeing that five barrel brew house. So yeah, it's challenging, man. I, 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 I'm so jealous, you know, we, we do a lot of collaborations um, and we're so jealous of, of folks that have these like brand new systems and, <laughs> you know, they have the space for it and, you know, uh, we wish we could have some of the, some of the new toys and, 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 and stuff like that, but Every time I think that, I remember what it's like when breweries have to learn that new system, when they have to spend the trials and tribulations on new equipment and redialing in every beer they did. And then I take a sigh, I take a, a breath and uh, figure out how we can pay our brewers a lot more money and <laughs> to work longer hours and, yeah. and try to try to make it happen because I don't want to lose what we have. And it's, it's vital. I feel um, to maintain that consistency and maintain those high quality beers. And if it's a small system and that's where we're at now, I'm not saying we'll never go bigger, mm. but I can tell you this, I don't plan on throwing that thing away. And uh, while we learn a new system, perhaps we will still be producing beers out of there, out of that little guy until they meet every single quality standard that is being met on that five barrel tank. So I'm, I'm grateful for it. Um, and uh, I'm grateful for the fact that we did. I don't feel we expanded too quickly at all. I mean, here we are. We're talking. I'm sure you saw in the news um, just recently about modern times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been all over the beer world. And they have some massive sites. And it, I, I, I can't even fathom how like fast all of that went down. Um, but to see it, it, it sort of like, you know, all those folks with jobs and um, all those different, you know, all the different places that they're now having to close. I feel absolutely horrible because I know what this, I know a lot about what this industry is like. 
I know it's going to be tough for a lot of those folks to find those jobs. It's, it's just a real bummer to see. So I'm, I also am grateful though, for where we are now, because we did, we did not do some kind of massive, massive, massive expansion and, you know, and, and lose sight of our goals and lose sight of what we want to do with beer. So I, I, I can't ever see that happening for us. Uh, well, at least not well, 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 I have a say in it. So, <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's interesting, like you say, because the perception is that the guys that like you say with modern times and people like that is that you, you think that they're stable, you know, there's, there's no issues and you see them sort of as sort of a, you know, the mass, mass producer, but obviously it's still in this sort of world, but obviously producing on a, on a massive scale, you don't think they'll be quite as fragile as, as what they clearly, they clearly are or they were. And like you say, it, it must sort of beg questions for you when you think of scaling up as in, well, we need to tread carefully because yeah, we could, like you say, have this nice shiny brew house, this new kit and blah, blah, blah. But it's, you know, it, it, do you need it? You know, is it sometimes is it more of a vanity thing than a, an actual necessity? And it's, it, it's the, the sort of the double-edged sword of breweries that have scaled up here in the UK as well, that they've, they've had to move site to scale up. So it's not like that they can keep brewing on the same kit that they used to before they mastered their other one. It's like they're having to go from, that kit to that kit without any transition period to well it's guesswork for the start you know it's not you can have an educated guess obviously but it's not a it's not a surefire guarantee that the quality is going to be there between the two different kits and and it has been evident that people have moved and and they've had to find ways to make this new kit work the quality is not there of their own admission and people just simply drinking the beer knowing that it's a new beer that's come out of the new brew house or the new brew kit but like you say, there's, there's sometimes not much choice about it. But if you could do that, then at least you're guaranteeing the quality across the board, regardless of of where it's where it's produced. But I suppose, like you say, it might be a bit of a tough slog for, for the brewers that maybe have to do a double or a triple day. But I suppose at least you can guarantee that quality as a result than, you know, them brewing a beer and having to chuck it away, potentially. Yeah, that's uh, that's absolutely true. So, yeah, I mean... Uh... Our, our team is extremely dedicated. Uh, we have some absolutely incredible employees. Um, and uh, yeah, I just, I can't imagine getting along, getting along without them. Um, even if it means a double batch or triple batch day with extra long boils, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. So. <laughs> do, you, do you still sort of jump in where required then in sort of in the actual uh, brew house I, and all I, the production <laughs> needs to be? <laughs> I wish, man. I, uh, I was part of the first initial, I actually brewed a lot of, a lot of the initial beers in the beginning, but, um, you know, I've written almost a lot, a ton of recipes, huge portion of the recipes and been there right with our, our other owners on site, um, as they sort of manage and, and hone that process, uh, as time goes on. But it turns out like my business background, and some stuff that I've done with marketing, um, you know, that that's where they needed, that's where they needed me most, uh, sort of like, mm. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do whatever this company needs me to do the most. And right now that I'm doing that, that's the role that I'm in right yeah. now, distribution, sales, marketing, um, ingredient ordering, ingredient sourcing these days, um, getting those top-notch quality ingredients for our team and uh, and recipe creation and scheduling and all of that stuff. It's what the company, it's what 
Mortalis needs of me now. I would love to jump back in. I have been known to um, drink some beers on the canning line. I have been known to, I always sample our beers, like 95% of our beers. We have a good meeting on Friday before beers get released the next week where we'll go through and we'll do taste. I sample every single beer we do. I've got my hands in it. I've got my thoughts to interject into it. Um, and I never want to lose sight of that. That's crucial to me. Um, being able to taste those creations and make those little tiny tweaks along the way that really dial stuff in for us. My greatest pleasure in, in uh, when going into these tastings is we, we try to, I try to save a can or a bottle from every previous batch. Right. Mm -hmm. And we'll do a side-by-side -side comparison on a Friday. It is such a moment of happiness when you pour a Cerberus from the previous batch and you pour the new one and the new one is as good as or better than the last one. That is mm. like, that is, a, I, I don't allow myself to experience moments of joy all the time, but uh, that's, the, that is one of them. That's one of them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, yeah. It's it's one of them and, and I, I think um when i spoke to Vinny from russian river not long since he said the same is that it, it, you're trying to sustain that quality but also you're trying to exceed that quality each time that you do it so it's almost that you, you're not even trying to just maintain it it is yeah. those like say the small tweaks to it's it's like a never-ending where we could do that a little bit and make that better and that bit a little bit and that bit better so theoretically that the latest one should be better be not the just best. the same as, right. as the last one yeah yeah which is just a you know oh it's, it's no pressure that we put on ourselves at all it's super no. easy no, it's no. uh <laughs> no attention to detail we just go in there drink some beers and have a good time uh yeah, that yeah. might be the facade <laughs> it's actually extremely yeah. stressful uh it's extremely difficult you've got to be very accurate it's uh you know, but but we can lie about it right now if we want to have fun and just be like, yeah, we just go yeah, in and yeah. taste beers and they're they're great, man. Yeah, <laughs> just just chuck whatever you want and you don't even design it before and you just what have we got? Yeah, just just throw it in. Yeah, <laughs> just just chuck it in. Why not? Um, so uh, this is something that I didn't touch on earlier. Actually, is the the, the ideas and the recipes then is is that just a sort of a small variation of previous ones? Then do you take inspiration from other breweries or do you go out and say? Oh my god, I've I've eaten this. We need to make this a beer. What 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 does what sort of drives? I I, uh, I take inspiration from the candy aisle. I take inspiration <laughs> from the cereal aisle in the supermarket. Uh, <laughs> um, wherever it may come from, wherever it may come from, uh, the ice cream, uh, the ice cream freezer. Uh, lots of fun stuff in there. I get a lot of inspiration myself from cocktails. I love cocktails. Um, I'm my I. I'm always uh, trying to turn a latest cocktail into a beer, trying to figure that out. I love the fusion of beer and cocktails together. That's incredible. I have a, I'm working with my wife now on some, on some projects for um, uh, a, uh, a local, a local um, bar restaurant sort of thing that we're, we're sort of in the works on to do a lot more fusion of beer and cocktails together. Maybe we could end mm -hmm. up talking about that someday when I have uh, when I've got a little yeah. bit more under my belt. Um, you might you might when find that really fun. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, also, um, inspiration also comes a lot from our amazing uh, partners that we get to work with. These guys that we get to collaborate with, we're always doing collaborations. 
Um, we're always like trying to learn more styles and more things that we can, we can focus on and uh, festivals too. You go to a lot of these festivals. Mm -hmm. We do a lot of festivals. You go to these places and you get to try these beers that these other, these other guys have done. And uh, they're, they're mind blowing. They're absolutely incredible. And you're like, Oh my God. Or you might have that. And it's like, wow, I want to remake that, but I want to put our crumble treatment in there. You know, you're going to, you're going to run across those type of, of occasions as well. So inspiration really is all over. It's wherever you want to grab it. Um, our, our team that we have as well, they contribute a lot um, to different beers and stuff like that. We try small program stuff. Like when we first launched Gemini, which is um, only two fruits usually together instead of the Hydra three, we tried to, to blend it with uh, a lot of other um, different fun adjuncts like watermelon candies or starburst candies and kiwi and strawberry uh, and have a lot of fun with those. Uh, we launched that program very small. It was only crawlers um, and it was extremely small batch. And one of our, one of our employees sort of launched that, uh, you know, we, we ushered him into that role and um, he would do a different Gemini series every week, throw, throw it out there. Does it taste good? Yes. Do we enjoy it? Yes. Will the public enjoy it? Let's find out. And if it sticks, <laughs> then we're going to brew a large size batch. of it. If, if yeah. people really loved it, we've got one coming out. Um, we've got one coming out this week uh, called, uh, the Catalina fruit mixer, which is based on um, obviously uh, Step Brothers uh, with Will okay, Ferrell. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah. this was a big hit um, on the small scale. It only had thirty reviews, but people loved it. It's a lot of fun mm. fruits. There's a nut treatment in there. Um, there's a, a chocolate treatment in there, and uh, we have the Gemini cans. I know you know you don't might not have it in front of you, but it's basically the 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 Gemini star symbols where the two mm. the two people are facing opposite each other and what we did was we colored the hair to match the um to match whatever fruits were going to be in there and that's another play on sort of the, my idea from the hydra when we would just change the color of uh, of what the hydra was breathing versus you know so we wouldn't have to change it but we made yeah. an exception for this can that's coming out this week so i can't wait for folks to see it because we took both we instead of the gemini ladies on there we took the stepbrothers and put them in star format, oh, nice. their faces on the can. <laughs> so I'm, I'm so excited to see the amount of uh, stepbrother references that we get from this. And uh, it's just, and that's what's supposed to be, man. It's supposed to be fun. Let's have some yeah. fun. I'm going to, I swear, I'm going to try to respond to every single one on Instagram or Facebook that references a stepbrother's quote and, uh, and, and really have some fun with that. So. And that comes back to what we're saying. It's what it's all about at the end of the day, isn't it? It's just having fun, you know, making good beer, you know, making good quality beer, but having some some fun along the way. And it's and and from from you know me getting chatting to you there, it's like you're going to respond to people on Instagram. It, that's how this came about. Us chatting now is that you are the one who's active on Instagram, you know. And it's very, you know, it's very rare that you, you find that. You know, it's usually there's a guy or a girl or you know whoever's usually running <laughs> it for them. It's never usually sort of the the people who run the business that are, that are looking after the socials. So it's nice that, you know, you're, and, you're on the yeah. ground, so to speak. Do you know what I mean? And, fa and thankfully I, I have help. I don't let it be known that I do not have help with that. Social media gets run by at least three of us. I'm one. Mm. Another one is Josh, one of the other owners. And then we have our, uh, 
our our unicorn our taproom manager sort of jack of all trades danielle she helps out a lot but i just can't seem to let go <laughs> of something like that i gotta i gotta get in there man mm. i like that connection i like the connection that i've made with all of all of our fans i love those type of connections they're really important to to us um i mean that's what mortalis was all founded mm. on mortalis is founded on the premise of human connection basically um i mean mortalis is the latin word for mortal okay mm. and um we believe that it's all based that the it's we're grounded in the belief that that beer in its essence is about human connection yeah it's meant to be shared. There's stories to be told. There's laughs to be had around beers and people getting together. And, you know, a lot of people say, you know, why did you choose the, you know, the Greek, Greek, um, the Greek gods and stuff. And well, the gods themselves and the goddesses, they might live on in those stars forever. We are just mortals and we have a finite time to share those stories, live those dreams, do make those connections with people. Mm. And, and that's what we, we are really all about yeah. in, in the end, when you boil all the, all the bullshit down, that's what we're about. Yeah, yeah. And that's why I can't seem to let go. I have to, I have to have a connection to that. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and it's good that, like you say, that ultimately it is, you know, beer is a vessel to bring people together but you know it's good that you know what yes. what people are saying about your beer that you're producing because you know it's your name reputation brand everything that's on the line and ultimately without knowing or being connected to people that are the ones who are buying your beer you don't know what to do next where to take the beers what to do what not to do did they like it did they not like it and it's great that you you do have that connection and and it's great that you you still have the active role in in doing that because it'd be very very easy to let go of that and take a back seat but i yeah i've been told i probably should have let go of some of those <laughs> things uh, because trust me buddy it's uh it's a double-edged sword yeah, for yeah. sure oh yeah uh, especially especially when you start looking at untapped yeah, untapped a minefield <laughs> at the best of times though, isn't it? it's just oh per- it was perfect 3.25 and it's like well you know that, that's a that's on a good day that's on a good day as well you know that let alone oh, the, the absolute panic if you want to feel bad about yourself i highly advise going on there mm. and just digging right in mm. whenever i have a moment of happiness or joy i love to just go back on untapped <laughs> and, and ignore all the fives or high fives or whatever the case may be and just find all of the things that i hate about yeah, myself yeah. that's come back down to that's work what it is band. man yeah yeah <laughs> yeah no you can rely on untapped it, so it levels you out it yeah. balances everything out quite nicely it rounds you out um so i've learned to treat it more as a metric now mm. i try to not look at the individuals the individual reviews so much and more treat it for what i feel breweries should be looking at it for which is that metric of how is the beer performing mm-hmm. okay how is it doing is it doing well is it on a down tick an uptick and then if you need to, at that point, go into the deep dive and, and see what folks are saying about it. Uh, are they liking it? Are they hating it? Was there a problem with it? Um, that shouldn't be your driving force. That is a silly way to run a brewery mm. and a business. But it has its spot and it has its purpose, I feel, to help 
give you data and give you a little bit of insight and knowledge into what people are saying. But you still, it's not that, it's not like when you picked up, when you, when you DM'd and uh, into Instagram and you're like, oh, hey, man, you, you want to come do this thing? And, and that's, that's more of a connection. Instagram is more data, or I mean, uh, and untapped is more data driven, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. anything else to try to find the right metric to use it in. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, no, I get what you mean. It's people are like keyboard warriors, but you know, city or couch experts out there, you know, it's like, well, it shouldn't be like this, or you should be doing this. It's like, yeah, but you, 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 in your humble opinion, you know, it's not in your expert <laughs> opinion. So, like you say, to sort of steer the business, or you know, it gives you a, like you say, it gives you a rough idea of things and, and how things are selling, and how I suppose in some respects how far the beer's got in terms of where people are drinking it and where they are in the country or the world. Um, but to, to sort of, like you say, to sort of deep dive into the individual reviews and and data, I suppose is is. Yeah, like to, to, <laughs> to bring up a positive about it, like we saw a lot of folks were drinking our beer in Korea. Oh wow! And oh, it was it was amazing. Like seeing some of these reviews come in, seeing people drink this beer, uh, using the Google Translator to figure out what they were actually <laughs> saying, which was also very helpful. Um, but realized that we had gotten like uh, we were voted like the top one of the top breweries in Korea, like them wow. everybody trying to get so. We started to move on that a little bit, and we've got our first shipment actually going to Korea in um, April. We're going to send a pallet over there, and uh, this way folks wouldn't have to try to get it on the black market or, you know, any, any of that type of stuff, because then that, that's difficult, too. Um, and, and just try to get the beer to some of those fans and, and get, it, get it out there. We can't promise that it'll always be there, you know, same thing with like the UK, yeah, yeah. like we're, we're, we're doing our best to try to do that. Um, especially with the tap room on the horizon. I don't know how many more shipments we have that could potentially go out there. That all depends. Yeah. Um, but it's on our radar and the message is still to get our beer to as many people as possible. But at the same time, we have to look at the local community, mm -hmm. make sure that they've got enough of what they need before we can start to branch out yeah yeah 100 because otherwise you just get you're just going to annoy the local you know crowd and community that have supported you from day one it's like well we've got no beer but korea have got some beer uk have got some beer but we've got no <laughs> yeah, beer right. so it's like yeah no i i get it i, I get it but it's it's a it's a it's a juggling act yeah, man. yeah, yeah. But, you know it's, but to be getting it to korea that that's that's crazy you know of all of all places yep. you wouldn't you wouldn't think that'd be a you know that would be the one of the top destinations for the beer but you know it just goes to i was like it's... we were the number one brewery in korea mm. and the guy, he's like showed us the sent us that and we're like holy shit we should do something <laughs> about that so yeah but it, it's great that it's it's caught there in in whatever form it's got on there however it's got on there and then hopefully it'll continue so but on the flip yeah. side though paul um beers from outside of america in terms of beers from the uk Australia, Europe, you know, even Korea or, you know, wherever. How often do you, you see beers come over to you then? So we, we see it sort of in dribs and drabs. I imagine it's probably very, very similar to you guys, but. Yeah, but... that's exactly it. I used to spend a lot of time at uh, Beers of the World mm. um, back when I didn't own a brewery. Uh, um, just buying beer from all, literally all over the world. We, we would really enjoy that. And, um, you know, uk beers and we we would have those and it seems like now with so many breweries i feel in the u.s it's so hard to like break through 
unless the beer is really exciting and challenging and crazy. Mm -hmm. It just can't seem to be a local lager that somehow breaks through to the States. Even if the lager is like that hand selected grains that we talk about, it's a dry hopped version. It's got this new type of experimental yeast um or the fact that it's even just really amazing because the brewery has made it 49 million times so it gets harder and harder to break through as more and more breweries open um so we get trickles uh every now and then i'll see some cans from i'll see a couple cans from um um australia i've seen i've seen cans a lot a lot more from germany uh, obviously because again we're we're like the crispy boys yeah, yeah, yeah. so we're, we're almost seeking some of those out um and and those delicious pilsners and and all that but it's not very often um and that's probably on me too because i might not get out there enough most of my time is a lot of time is spent in that festival circuit mm-hmm. uh, and there's not a lot of like uk breweries out there doing the festivals you know not a lot of global breweries out there doing those things uh, and we are invited to um, some more global events. Um, and it's, I hate saying no, like I really hate saying no, but our team is like so small. And it's like, if I go away for like, you know, four days in Germany, oh, I don't even know what the hell is going to happen <laughs> to our, to, to our, to our distro or whatnot like that. So I really have to be mega selective. Mm on on that type of stuff um but that's not to say that i don't i don't want to i do and we're trying to make some plans to get a little bit bigger of a staff get a little bit more robust that we can have the people that we've trained under us to to try to attend some of those events and and i would imagine if we're struggling with it there's probably a ton of uk breweries struggling with that exact same thing yeah and how do I get away and get over to the U.S. to get into some of these awesome craft beer festivals, mm. which I'm sure they're invited to? Mm. I would I would be shocked if they were not. Yeah. I would be shocked because I'd have to imagine they are because uh, the beer community is very global. It's mm. very global, I feel. Um, but whether or not they can actually get their vision, their message to the states, I feel that that's one of the best ways yeah. is the festival circuit absolutely yeah, yeah. where are you from you're oh you're from the uk holy shit the last thing i had from the uk was a body mm-hmm. like you know like <laughs> you know it's like oh, oh, oh well you know okay uh well here we're doing this cool shit so i imagine you're gonna see more of that oh especially now that the world's starting to open back up a little mm-hmm. bit more like i think that after being trapped everywhere for two years you, you this might be like a craft beer revolution more globally mm. so we'll have to we'll have to watch for that we'll have to watch and see if that actually trends i can tell you that the the festival invites that have been coming across we need you to commit to this festival in december and i need it in february 1st and we're like what <laughs> like, are you kidding me man yeah, yeah and then there's a lot of emails so, so people are excited mm to get back out there they want to be back out there they want that human connection back Mm. they want to get back out there and see their friends and experience those festivals so this is going to be a crazy year man this is going to be a real crazy year no it'll be interesting to see how like you say how many people sort of cross the problem across the pond both to and from uh, america in terms of you guys coming here and, and and us coming over there and 
And certainly I know that Northern Monk are trying to flex their muscles in terms of trying to get people for Hop City this year. Um, you know, I know, I know they've already been sort of reaching out to people to try and make it what they can because of last year's festival that couldn't go out. Well, it did go ahead, but not in the way they wanted it to. Um, of course. You know, which is understandable. You know, they want to make it bigger and better than ever. And it's that's understandable. And same with Cloudwell when their friends and family comes around and things like that is that, you know, they're probably the two biggest festivals in the UK that have a lot of sort of US guys come over. Um, you know, the last Hop City I, I went to certainly was other half, Finback, uh, Hudson Valley, you know, a load of guys from. I, I would love to get us out there. I would love to get those invites. We haven't gotten that invite, I believe. Um, but I would love to get it. I would love to come do that mainly because I mean, the, the building of the brand is all awesome. Mm. That's all great. But the, that reaction to folks when they, when they, when they take that first sip, man, they're like, what the hell is this? This isn't beer. <laughs> uh, but then the acceptance that comes over them and they're like, wow, it's really damn tasty though. Mm. Like I, I can't put a price tag on that, man. That's freaking amazing. That's an awesome feeling inside that's like that's like the best drug on the planet right there man seeing that smile that interaction with that person it's it's an, it's incredible incredible yeah well uh northern monk do they, they do hop city in the summer then they do one called dark and wild i think it's about november time which is more for the sours and the stout so i imagine if you oh like, yeah. if you guys like came over and did that i imagine you just sort of blow it away with everything that you guys do, oh that so. would that would be incredible man i hope i hope they listen to this thing yeah, yeah. i hope they send us an invite that would be amazing yeah, well, I'll, I'll see what i can do see if i can uh, point you <laughs> right direction so I'm, I'm trying to um i'm trying to get their um their event and festival organizer to do to do a podcast um so i am sort of oh yeah i am, I am chipping away at him so you know even if he's not going to come on the show i might be able to sort of maybe pull some strings or at least say you know somebody would be great for dark and wild there you go. Speak to this guy. Speak to, speak to Paul. There you go. <laughs> Crack on. Well, you're starting to catch traction, man. I think it's, I think it's, you've been doing the episodes now. So you guys started in, was it 2020 or 2019? What, me doing this? Yeah. Uh, I did it in lockdown 2020. So about April, April, May 2020. So coming up to about two years now. Yeah. And I mean, I, I've been, I looked, I, I, I didn't do quite the deep dive uh, on you mm -hmm. as you probably <laughs> did on me, but. I was like, oh, oh, well, there's Russian River. I'm like, that's mm -hmm. awesome. And now hopefully you got more talents on there. There were no Russian River, but maybe maybe folks will see us on there and be like, oh, wow, that I heard those guys do the gloop glop beers. They went on <laughs> they went on that show. Uh so maybe we'll maybe we'll help lend a little bit of credibility. Yeah. I don't know, man. Uh, but you, you know, we'll, yeah, the, we'll the, see. the fact that like, like even you considered to come on and the fact that I got Vinny to come on as well, was just like, Oh my God. It's like, that, yes. that's, that's ridiculous. You know, <laughs> I never, I, I kind of sent it's an awesome. email speculatively to them. It was like, and Vinny was like, yeah, Vinny will do it. I was like, sorry, what? <laughs> like the Vinny, the Vinny Chilertso, like really? But like the, the, the facts that just like some random guy from <laughs> England is emailing, you know, the likes of you guys over there and the fact that you're responding and positive to come on is, is, is excellent, you know, because it's, it's, a, it's a hard enough battle to get people from England and the UK yeah. to do it, you know, brewers that are local to me to do it, let alone going to the other side of the world to somebody I've never even met or spoke to before saying, do you fancy coming and talking to me for a bit about beer? And then, you know, here we are. So it's just great. It's, it's that connection, like you say, it's that 
you know, maybe we wouldn't be doing this if COVID hadn't happened, you know, maybe, you know, via Zoom and things like that. This this may not have happened because of it. So in some respects, it's like things, positive things have come out of it, even though it's a terrible situation that's happened. It's yeah, it has sort of brought the, the whole yeah. world a lot closer together and uh, and people close together that may not have otherwise spoken or met because of it you know I, I might not have started the podcast because of it and, and zoom might not become a thing because of it so it's it's an interesting in thought that if it hadn't have happened where would we be you know where where would we be so it's very very interesting absolutely absolutely yeah and you want to focus you want to focus on that positive too man i mean there's way too much negativity uh and and negative things that have happened of course um as a result but if if you can focus on mm. that positives because there's so few of them, but yeah. it, it's important to highlight them and call them out. And that's probably, that's probably one of them right there. Cause yeah, I, I looked at the start date of the, the podcast. I was like 20, I was like, Oh shit. Well, for, <laughs> what a wonderful time to start a podcast. I mean, you're staying home, you're doing good things uh, and, uh, and trying to stay safe. Uh, so it was, it was perfect timing to, to begin that, uh, uh, you know, so looking at the yeah. positive. Well, that's it. I mean, it, it gave me something to do, but B, it gave people something to listen to. Like you say, when they're stuck at home, you know, I, I've worked throughout the whole time of, of furlough and things. So I've either working from home or then my, my new job of, of working out and being in the shop. It's I've been lucky that I have been working, but people that were sat at home with nothing to do, it, it kind of, that was the reason for doing it is that, well, if I can give them at least an hour's worth of something to do, then, you know, it, it's something to do. So... No, that was the re- the real driving force yeah. behind it, and I've just kept it going because people keep listening still. So you know, so keep just keep rolling, just keep doing it. Awesome. So uh, so Paul, before we wrap up, and I appreciate you sort of taking your time out. Um, the the last thing that I had on the list to talk about was you've touched on it already. You kind of indicated a lot of what what is in the pipeline for you guys in 2022 but beyond what we've already said about you expanding um the brand awareness outside of, of the us into different territories i.e us in the uk korea etc um what, what does the rest of the year hold for you as far as you can plan obviously i appreciate that you might not want to plan too far ahead. oh yeah um you know in- no 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 we we actually do we have a we have a couple of things um we um we started a, a festival with um a local uh, a local brewery um we when we were first starting out we didn't have a lot of help we reached out to a lot of people mm-hmm. but very few actually gave us the time of day and returned our call and the one gentleman that did was part of a, a local brewery named Swiftwater and uh, Andy and I have become really good friends over the years and he was one of the few guys to give us the time of day and answer our dumb noob questions and i swore that that day that if we were able to make anything of ourselves i want to do something with this guy so we've collaborated a few times but i saved something really special to me for swift water and that was a beer called boat drinks boat drinks is based on a movie called things to do in denver when you're dead and what they would say when two convicts, when one convict was in the joint and the other one wasn't, they put their hands up on, on the glass and they would say boat drinks to each other. And that would elude to a time when they could both get back together, be on a, be on a boat and be drinking a nice tropical drink, um, a Mai Tai or a, you know, a, a sour, something like that, and, and get back to better times with each other. And that's where boat drinks sort of started from. And we've made four boat drinks so far. 
and turned it into a luau festival, which we started three years ago, like one of the first festivals we, we did with them. It was just him and a, a Swiftwater and Mortalis local festival, went all out, had a lot of fun, brought a lot of beer, ran out, went and grabbed more beer, ran out of that. It was insanity. We did a pig roast. Then the next year we couldn't do it because of COVID. So we basically did a virtual version where we went ahead and, uh, you know, released a case of different tiki style, boat drinky style beers. Uh, people would come pick them up. We wore Hawaiian shirts. We blasted music. That was the best we could do. But last year I found an amazing local venue uh, right on uh, the lake for us. And I rented it out and we had an extremely successful luau, which we invited uh, an additional four local breweries. Well, time's come. And very shortly, I'm going to be pulling in all the favors that I think I feel we are owed from all of our amazing friends all across the all across the country to come and pour at the luau because we have been green lit to do a 500 person event oh, wow. on the beach at the luau so i've got a lot of invitations to send out over the next couple of weeks it's going to be july 2nd um we'll have tickets for it we'll have food trucks we'll have tiki themed beers we'll have djs and uh, all, all the all the decorations you could possibly imagine, and not to mention a beautiful sand-covered beach, you know, to walk out into the lake on. Like it's it's incredible. So we have that plan, and I'm going to be calling in those favors and trying to get a national festival. Mm -hmm. Try to build that national festival right here in Rochester, and it's a huge challenge. And I'm losing hair over it uh and it's crazy and i'm stressed out but uh i know how well it went last year mm -hmm. so i want to put that energy in and do that so that's coming um july 2nd we're going to do that and then obviously you know uh we're, we're about to sign our lease hopefully uh to a beautiful spot in the city proper um but with the supply chain issues with steel problems right now uh, I hate putting a date on it, but uh, we're going to do everything in our power to get this thing open by end of summer, early fall is what we're shooting for. Uh, we had other timelines, those sort of fall by the wayside when, when, when we have so many issues with, you know, with COVID and, uh, and supply chain stuff, it's just extremely difficult. Um, but we're not losing hope because the space is going to be absolutely beautiful. It's going to be everything that we wanted uh our our home our really long home i imagine us staying there for many many years uh to be so it's important good things take time right yeah, yeah. so that's yeah. that's what we're focused on uh that's that's what's in store for us for this year yeah well fingers crossed and, and like say there's patience is a virtue as as much as sometimes just like i just I just want to open it and open it now and, and fingers crossed that that extra time and extra effort that you get to put in it it pays off you know and i'm sure it will do and like you say so. if, if you're planning on it being your home for the foreseeable future then you know the, the, there's no real rush for that you know you want to make sure it's right and get people coming back which i'm sure they will good i'm know. going to record that and, and play it back to myself when i when i get angry <laughs> that uh, the steel didn't arrive yeah. or 
<laughs> that the construction's going so slow yeah. and uh, well, i will i will take your words of inspiration yeah. and, uh, and play them back to me i mean they might not count for anything if you're still you know sort of six months delayed and you're still like why is it not open yet and it's like just trying to <laughs> trying to calm down like oh sad it's like it's not working it's not helping it's not helping but no i'm, I'm sure i'll be calling you back yeah, i'll be yeah. calling you back you jinxed it you bastard yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no i uh no I'm, I'm sure it'll i'm sure it'll be worth it mate i'm i'm sure it'll be worth it and i look forward to seeing when it you know when it eventually opens and and looking at it with envious eyes of, of of it not being on my doorstep but who knows maybe one yeah. day maybe one day but no i'm sure i'm sure the locals will love it mate and i'm i'm i'm, I'm sort of rooting for you for when it actually when it actually Thank opens you. and and it all goes goes ahead according to plan for the rest of the the schedule so Thank you for joining, Paul. It's been a, an absolute, absolute pleasure meeting you and chatting to you. I, uh, I appreciate you taking time out of your day to, to, to take time to have a chat. Um, like you say, when you've got sort of 500, a 500 person festival to organize, it's, you know, time's pre- <laughs> your time will be very, very precious. I, uh, I appreciate that. But before we, uh, before we look to wrap up, given that you look over the Instagram, granted, where, where else apart from Instagram can people, find out about you keep up to date what's going on where, where's oh, the best yeah. places uh, of course so obviously instagram um mortalis brewing uh we got a facebook page um we're always growing the instagram always growing the facebook website's always up to date uh hopefully <laughs> uh it actually does get updated pretty frequently so um yeah the website instagram facebook we really don't use twitter too much um that's okay most of the days it's all to all Instagram for most breweries these days. Um, and we're just, just thankful to have a really thriving Instagram community. Um, but that's, that's definitely the best way. And also as always info at mortalis.com uh, or info at mortalisbrewing.com uh, can get into get in touch with us. We have loads of people that read that, um, that info box and, and then distribute that information mm-hmm. to, to various people in our, are very small group so yeah, yeah cool no well like i said paul i appreciate it and if anybody does want to keep it up to date with what's going on martellus i'm sure people who do listen already follow you but i can highly recommend keeping up to date with what's going on and, and the beers especially um you know the the, the latest of the, the diner series that i've had tonight fantastic as, as i was expecting it to be you, you know it's it's no surprise that it's a good one i've got two more in the fridge i can't remember which other ones he gave me I, I, i'm gonna kick myself for not remembering now but um, hopefully, hopefully you've got a hydra in there yeah, so I, I think one of them is i'm fairly certain one of them awesome. is um but yeah but for anybody who is looking for for any beers certainly look at beers of america that that my brother runs but hopefully in the very near future we'll be looking at more mario beers uh hitting these shores so i uh, i look forward to seeing more sampling more and uh like i say hopefully one day maybe venturing over and, and drinking them fresh at source when you when you're up Please. and running any anytime, dude. Anytime. Yeah. You're more than welcome. No, I'll uh, it'll be my, my first visit, but I'm I'm definitely gunning for coming over when sort of everything's settled down with COVID to do a bit of a, a beer and a food tour and, and try and Oh that that would be wild. I'd mm. I'd probably have to join you for that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well I'd, I'd rely on your sort of expertise and sort of knowledge to point me in the right direction of where to go and what to do and, and what have you. So I could do with a tour guide, mate. So if you want to be an unofficial tour guide. Oh, then... I'll, I'll take you all through New York. Yeah, brother. yeah, yeah. I'll, <laughs> I'll definitely up for that. But uh, but no, Paul, in the meantime, thank you. And I'll, uh, I'll speak to you again soon. Sounds good. Thank you so much, Steve. Welcome back. And thanks once again to Paul for joining me on the show. 
I really enjoyed that show and Paul's energy and enthusiasm was really infectious while listening to him talk about the brewery with such passion. Despite him taking a bit more of a background role in, in the day-to-day operations, his passion for the brewery is evident when listening to him talk about it and it's really good how engaged he is with the end user and consumer despite him not being at the forefront when it comes to the production of the beers now. It was interesting to hear that they're still operating on a relatively small kit and it's often the illusion that the US brewers are all on big fancy kits given the they have to produce on a bigger scale but that clearly is not the case here. Likewise hearing his thoughts on spreading their brand not only across the US but the globe too was very very surprising and hearing that they've got a cult following in Korea is is bizarre and also was a very very interesting topic of discussion. Their cans have already made it to these shores courtesy of businesses such as Beers of America but I can't wait to see more of them in the near future and hopefully them have a stronger presence in the UK too. Finally thanks to you for listening to this show and I hope you continue to enjoy it. As always any feedback for the show is welcomed and I hope you continue to like the new format. Don't forget any positive reviews on Spotify, Apple or Google or wherever you get this podcast would hugely help the visibility of the show so if you do get time to do so I would be thankful for that as well. But until next time, bye for now.